the table in the foyer. I believe they uh, are free, but uh, if you would like to make an offer, if you get a book, it would be nice if you can give <laughs> an offering because it, it's not free to publish them and stuff. But if you really can't afford it, um, you can you can have the book. Is that right, Greg? And those are great books. There's a, there's a great book out there that probably everybody in this room needs to definitely read. It's called How to Be Ordinary. <laughs> you know, and there's some people in this room really need to get to be ordinary. <laughs> it is a really a great book, honestly, How to Be Ordinary. Uh, so I, I can recommend all of them that he's got out there, but I particularly like that one personally. The other one about humility is a really good book, something something we all need to, to grab hold to. So, amen. Thank you, Lord. So we want to ask Arthur to come now. We've got him a chair here for him to sit and... Okay. How about that? Yeah. How about that? <laughs> Arthur's got a a purple Bible. How can I prevent that happening? Now I've been a follower of Jesus 77 years. I think every place I've been this time God's had me to say this. <clears throat> I don't apologize. Greg and Marie must be tired of hearing it. But you know there's something. If the preacher is afraid of repetition, he'll never get anywhere in God. You know why? Some people don't hear it. Till the fourth or the fifth time. <laughs> Did you know that? Brother, some people don't hear it until the fourth time. I hope I get it this time. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm not accusing that you haven't got it. I'm just declaring a fact. And it's so wonderful to be with all you people. Bless your brother. Hallelujah. Eh, amen. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> I'll share with you what happened this Christmas 
Last Christmas, not this one, but last Christmas, God challenged me. Am I able to do now what I did in my 70s? Am I able to do what I did in my 80s? Am I still able to do in my 90s? Now, I traveled the world. God's permitted me to go to 45 countries, I think it is. Russia and China, Cuba and Ethiopia, Jamaica, Australia, New Zealand. Lots of countries. I'm boasting in God. Now, last year, God permitted me, I thought of that 13-hour flight to Singapore. Am I still able to do it? Well, last year I did it six times. I went to the Philippines and I ministered there to seven prisoners. I fellowshiped with Pentecostal rats. The rats loved the music. And when the saints struck up music, all the little rats came out and ran round. <laughs> How about that? Have your room, sister, for Pentecostal rats. I thought, well... Nobody else seems to bother. The saints just uh, went on praising God and singing. And I thought, well, if they do, Arthur, so should you do. So I did. <coughs> I went to Australia twice. I came over here four or five times. I went to South America, Bogota and Cali, Colombia. And I thought, what about now? God said to his people, you've left your first love. And if God allows me, I'd like to share with you what challenges me on the basis that what challenges me maybe could also challenge you. After all, we all do the same thing. We all eat, we all drink, 
everybody goes to the restroom. Sometime in your life you've washed your neck, picked your nose. Sometime in their lives the men have cast a roving eye at a nice pair of legs. Oh dear. And maybe some of the ladies have crossed their legs to show what a nice pair of legs they have. Could be. Never know. We're all alike. The Word of God says, All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I'd like to share with you what's a challenge to me. Now, if I can be challenged at 93, so could you. And I've faced this. How have I, in my years, left my first love? Did I? Have I? Am I there? Or where am I? <clears throat> when I was young, I was proud, arrogant, conceited, and smug. Now that I'm old, <clears throat> I'm proud, arrogant, conceited, and smug. It was because I didn't know it, I left my first love. Well, I felt this Christmas, maybe it's time to finish. Three more months, I'll be 94. And God gave me a word. And this word, it could be for you as well as for me. But he gave me this word. <clears throat> he said, <clears throat> The fire of God never falls on an empty altar. The fire of God never falls on an empty altar. What have you got to put on the altar tonight? Oh, I surrendered to God 17 years ago. That doesn't count. Am I surrendering to God now? 
I can't say, well, 17 years ago I was breathing. If you're not breathing, now you're dead. It's got to be in the is of God. We are not Wazraelites or will beites. We're Israelites. And we're called to live in the is of God, which is the life of the Spirit. Right. So, I faced up to it this Christmas. What have I got? I put Bron Wendon on the altar years ago. 27 years ago. I have a big house by the sea in Wales. And we've had conventions for 27 years. With two, God willing, this coming year. The 1st of May and September. And we invite you. We'll pick you up at Manchester Airport. We'll feed you. We'll accommodate you. We'll entertain you. We'll bless you and put you back at Manchester Airport for nothing. We have had groups we've had from I was going to say Nirvana. What's the name of that place? Not Nirvana. Greg. Savannah. That's it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we've had a group from Savannah two or three times 25 people. We've had people from Colorado. We've had groups from other places. And God has enabled us to bless them all and feed them all. And if you are at all interested, I can give you a little card with a phone number on. And if God directs you our way in May, or September will pick you up and we'll do what I've said <clears throat> but that's been on the altar a long time Bromwenden it's got 23 rooms by the sea five minutes from the sea the foot of the mountains what else have I got to put on the altar my books I put those on the altar 50 years ago God has never allowed me to charge for books neither has he allowed me to judge those who do charge for books the altar my driving went on I've driven for 65 years and the time came when I was 86 I judged little old men who slowed down to read signs and I became one of them
in May of this year, last year, sorry, in May of last year, I buried my dear wife. We've been married 64 years. She was the wife who loved me, forgave me when I was unfaithful to her. I watched the coffin go down <clears throat> into the grave. I had one red rose and I threw it on the coffin. And I said, goodbye, Marge. In a little while, we'll meet upstairs. So she's been on the altar. For 50 years... I never took a pill, never went near a doctor, and I had an image where I believed God. I got poisoned in Jamaica. My wife said to me, you're a dying man. God isn't meeting you. I said, you know what I believe? <clears throat> Asa was diseased in his feet and he sought not to the Lord but to the physicians and he died at 41. Serve him right. She said, well, there you are. You're full of pride. And if you don't humble yourself, I believe God will take you home. So I had to humble myself and I called the doctor and they took me to hospital and they removed my, uh, what, what do you call the thing? Prostate gland, that was it. But something else got removed. It was my image as a man of faith. That went on the altar. Fifty years went on the altar. And it was then that I saw that my pride had to go on the altar. My pride is my glory and my glory is the enemy of God's glory. <clears throat> Goes back a long time. When I was a boy, oh I was a boy once you know. When I was a boy I like to fight. Not argue, but box. And I thought I was going to be a good boxer. I wasn't saved till I was 15. So in the early years, I practiced and had a measure of success at boxing. <clears throat> I broke a tooth here. In another fight, I slipped and a second tooth broke off 
in Eddie Rowell's leg and he had to have one of my teeth extracted from his leg. I fell out of a tree and broke a third tooth. I had three broken teeth here. In the sea, I knocked my dentures out. And I went down to the bottom of the sea, groping round to try and find the perishing things. I couldn't find them. So I came up toothless and it was my turn to minister at the Wednesday night meeting. <laughs> so I said to the brother, one of the others, I said, would you take the meeting tonight? I've lost my teeth. He says, what? I said, I couldn't find them. A big wave hit me at the bottom of the sea. And he says, you want me to take your place after all you've preached about pride? Get on with it, man. And preach without your teeth. And I did. It's the only time I've ever toothlessly preached. <laughs> I put my dentures on the altar. Then I went to college. cock a doodle -doo. I went to London. And at that time, I was very self-conscious. Every time I would present myself this way, my best side, and I used to stand in front of the mirror and keep my top lip down and preach to the mirror friends God is real I wasn't bothered about God being real I was more concerned about my ugliness and watching that I kept my top lip down now all the students except me chased the girls did you know students you did well they did where I was except me it wasn't that I didn't like girls but I thought well I'm ugly what girl would want me so I did not go chasing girls like all the fellas did but secretly inside instead of having truth I thought the reason I wasn't chasing the girls it was because I was more spiritual than the other students and I wanted God hallelujah that thing lived in me and it came into fruition years later 1940 by that time I was married and because of my pride 
I got involved with a girl who wasn't my wife. Not for six weeks. All the war years, I sought and I fought and I tried and I cried and I couldn't break it. Only God got me out of that. But you don't fall into sin because you're weak. Now the cane didn't fall because God pushed it down. The cane fell because God stopped holding it up. Why did the hand stop holding it up? Because this cane thought it stood of itself. And you'll find you fall into sin because of your pride, not your weakness. If you judge somebody else, you're a first candidate for falling. You know that man who cut in in front of you when you were driving? And you said, ah, oh, bless him. <laughs> He's just getting over pneumonia, poor man. Or maybe his wife's run off with the milkman and he's all worried and upset inside. Poor man. But you don't. Idiot. Idiot! Shouldn't be allowed out on the road. I don't know how some people ever pass the test. Oh. You know something? It was only last week he judged somebody for cutting in front of him. And he fell for it. And he judged them. And Jesus says, Thou, Romans 2 says, Thou that judges doest the same things. There go I, but for the grace of God. Beware of your judgments that are birthed out of your pride in thinking you're better than others. That is where you lose your first love and you finish up out with God. How do I know? Because I've done it again and again and again. The quickest way into sin is your pride. And when you judge somebody else, you are a first candidate for the chopper. It'll be your turn next. You dig your grave for tomorrow when you judge somebody today. The Word of God says, Thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou judgest another, thou condemnest thyself. Don't believe me. Test what I say. Did you know that the goal is the danger? If the goal is truth, then truth becomes the danger. In our country, 
We have sports days at the colleges, schools. And uh, it's a big day at the end of what the term. And they often have what is called an obstacle race. Now, an obstacle race isn't an ordinary hundred-yard sprint. It's an obstacle race. And here are the contestants all lined up. And the first obstacle could be hoops covered over with paper. And these hoops are hanging either from tree branches or from iron frames. And at the crack of a gun, away they go. And they have to go through the hoop. Now, you can't cheat. Everybody knows when you've gone through the first obstacle. The paper's torn. But that allows you to go on with the race. So on they go to the next obstacle. And this could be a number of bowls of water with bobbing apples in bowls of water. And with their hands behind their back, they have to kneel down and bite a bobbing apple. If you think that's easy, try it. Every time you try to bite the apple, it goes down into the water. And you can't cheat, because when finally you've passed the obstacle, there'll be a piece bitten out of the apple. So you know, and everybody else knows, you've passed the obstacle. Then they go on to something else. Could be anything. Running an egg in a spoon. Hopping with two feet in a sack. But anyway, here's the end of the race. Here he comes. Our prospective winner. Puffing and blowing, he comes up the hill. And he sees the winning post. Triumphantly, he grabs it and waits for the applause of the crowd. There's not a sound. Confounded and confused, he stands there holding the winning post. And then the next contestant in the race comes puffing and blowing up the hill. He says, Thou hast left thy first love. I offer you this tonight. Have you had truth? Haven't there been times when you've left your first love? I searched my heart before Christmas. I thought, well, the allotment, it's on the altar. My driving, it's on the altar. My wife, is on the altar the house is on the altar 
What have I got left? The books that are on the altar. As far as I see, about the only thing I've got left is this that I'm ministering in at the moment. And I said, Lord, I've never put this on the altar. I've traveled the world for 50 years. And do you want me to surrender and travel no more? And you know, you find out the power of your will from the power of your will. I found the power of my want often expressed in my will. But I saw something with my Lord Jesus. <clears throat> he did not want to die. That's in your Bible. He said, Father, if it is at all possible, let this cup pass. He didn't want to be crucified. In the garden he sweat as it were drops of blood. And he could not want to die and be sinless. But he crossed a bridge of nevertheless and entered into the realm of choice and he chose what he didn't want who do you think you are to want the will of God that's a bit of garbage that's your pride I've never wanted anything never wanted to be a Christian never wanted to be a preacher never wanted anything I recognized I needed to receive a love of the truth and that is an acquired taste God gets the glory when he gets you or gets me to want what we don't want because he works in both to will and to do they're separate God does the doing in the doing. So he gets the glory. But God also does the willing in the willing. Otherwise, you've got a basis of pride where you can despise the poor critter who's not willing and think, well, God, I am willing. So God has to show us that we're not willing. And he has to work in to will. You've heard my story, I'm sure you have. You heard the story where I stole from Billy Graham. Yes? No? Would you like to hear it? Put your hand up. Okay. It wasn't mine, it was Billy Graham's. <clears throat> 
the old prospector came over the brow of the hill. Hot, dusty, tired, and thirsty. He dismounted and he began to walk towards a drinking saloon. But the door swung open. Out came a drunken cowboy, Stetson on the back of his head, and two guns. Two guns. He looked at the old man and he said, Old man, did, 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 did you ever learn to dance? No, said the old prospector. No, son. Life was too tough for me ever to learn to dance. Well, he said, you're sure going to learn to dance today. And he got the two guns and he began to shoot round the old man's feet. And of course the old man lifted his feet up as the gun peppered round. The guns peppered round. Cowboy roared with laughter. When the last smoking gun had ceased, the old man turned his back on the cowboy. He went back to the mule. He opened his saddlebag. <laughs> Have you ever had the Lord put the pistol to your head and say, Will you? And you knew you didn't want to. But you said, I sure always wanted. <laughs> I've had that so many times in my life. The very reason I'm here tonight is because 50 years ago, God put the pistol to my head and he said, go. I said, no. He said, go. I said, no. He said, go. And I sure always wanted. <laughs> That's the reason I'm here. Well, anyway, just to cut this and leave it. <clears throat> this Christmas, I put everything, as far as I knew, on the altar for God. And I didn't expect any more ever to see any of you again. Unless you came to me I thought of all the precious people I've met in 50 years in different countries and I put it on the altar now I also knew something else you can't put anything off the altar of God miserably if you don't do it joyfully you don't do it. When I threw that rose onto the coffin, I said, Goodbye, Marge. I'll see you upstairs. But by God's grace, 
I don't wish her back. She was 90 when she went. I'm three years older. And we'll meet up there joyfully. Can I say to you, anything you put on the altar, you must put it on joyfully. The Lord isn't Santa Claus, but we thought he was. Oh, isn't the Lord wonderful? Hallelujah, hallelujah. Kula McCalla, McGeela McCalla, isn't he wonderful? He came down my dirty chimney. Dear old Santa Claus. He filled my stocking with goodies. Good old God. Have I got beyond that? <clears throat> Have you? Unless you crown him. You only know him as Santa Claus. But when you crown him, you crown him Lord and he ceases to be like a little canary in a cage a modern amenity have you ever treated God well <clears throat> we've got all modern amenities you know we're right up to date I've got a carpet sweeper I've got a lawnmower, electric oven, we've got an electric washer, just touch the button, Arrrr. got an excellent car, it actually does everything you want it to, oh dear, not like some of my cars, <clears throat> yes, We've got all modern amenities. Oh, and up there on the shelf, we've got a saviour as well. And uh, occasionally, when the kids get mumps or measles, we bring him down and we ask him to undertake. Have you room for the Lord? Not to undertake will you fall out with him glory to thee for strength withheld for want and weakness known for that which drives me to thyself for what is most my own If I lose my first love, I lose the place where I crown him, Lord. I believe nearly everybody here knows God as dear Santa Claus. 
boys and be good. Hasn't he filled your stocking with goodies? Bless the Lord, oh my soul, hallelujah. Is there something lacking on the altar? Maybe you won't like this. But whilst ever there's something you don't like, you need the altar and the fire of God to fall. I never wanted to be a preacher. I look back at 93. I think of all the countries I've been in. Think of the different things. I've had a pistol put to my head. I remember in Alaska standing holding icy cold railings. Nowhere to sit down on the motorboat that took me over to Huna. And when we got there, they had a big old tractor for our Joe and me. And we got in, we put our cases down. And you know what the tractor was? It was what they used to empty the toilets, five toilets. And they collected us. Not very wonderful. I don't want to go back there. But if God wants me to go, I choose it. I cross the bridge, Jesus. I say, nevertheless. Many, many other situations I could remember. I've seen God on so many instances take a man like me who doesn't want anything of God and just change me. Remember this, the same sun that hardens the clay melts the butter. Are you clay or are you butter? And if you are hard, you can choose and watch God change you. Your will is your want. And God isn't concerned about a little ant like me or you saying no to him. But he does know the difference when you change and choose. Consider this. <clears throat> Oh dear. Oh dear. What's coming now? Well, you test this. Don't believe me. Test it. The church was never meant to be anything but missionary. Prove it. Jesus said, Go into all the world and preach the gospel. They sat around on their backsides and didn't go. 
And the Lord sent Saul, who wrought havoc in the church. And therefore, the disciples were scattered everywhere preaching the gospel. So God got out of compulsion what should have been through surrendered obedience. Have we got it all wrong? Now, I don't suppose you like what I'm saying now, but it's not a case of like. If you don't like it, God can make you like it. He's made me. I've been here and there and so on. All kinds of situations in 50 years. And I've just marveled that God's changed me. I didn't want. T.L. Osborne said, <clears throat> you don't need a word to go. The Lord gave it. He said, go into all the world and preach the gospel. You need a word to stay. Now, I don't altogether agree with what he says. But there's wheat in the chaff. What's your reason for not going? Has God told you not to go? The vision is go into all the world and preach the gospel. But some must stay even as a diver at the bottom of the ocean must be ministered to by somebody at the top who pumps air down. Now I've been in many countries. I've been in China. I've been in Russia. I've been in Ethiopia. I've been in Cuba. I've been in Haiti. I've been in Jamaica. There's six countries without going any farther. And put the whole lot together. I wouldn't get enough to pay the gas bill back and forth. Don't worry. I'm not begging money. But I'm declaring a principle. There must be some who subsidize those who go. Some are called to stay as vitally as others are called to go. Have you had a call? What was it? A call to go? Or a call to stay? Oh, I don't like this preaching. No, neither do I. I didn't like it. I just marvel when I look back. And I see how God takes a little old age pensioner like me. Sends me out here and there and there. Well, what's your word? Did you have a word to go? Or did you have a word to stay? Now, if you had a word to stay, you have a responsibility towards those who had a word to go. Now, the church has got it all wrong, right from the beginning. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. Paul says the church that is in thy house 
the American church has spent billions on billions. Should much of that have gone on missionary work? Well, I'll leave that with you. I'm not apologizing, but I realize the fire of God never falls on an empty. Aren't you finished yet? Nearly. <clears throat> Coming back to that altar, I put everything I knew on the altar this Christmas and I said Lord I won't travel anymore that would mean unless you came to me I wouldn't see you anymore I've known some of you people here ever since Noah came out the ark <clears throat> I've traveled and traveled and traveled. Goodbye. And I put it all on the altar this Christmas. And the brother came up to the house. I never dreamed God would use him. Never dreamed. He's a doctor. And he's been in the courts for murder for three years, administered to him. And he's been accused of euthanasia. Now, in our country, it's illegal. In Holland, no, in Sweden, it's legal. For the benefit, if you don't know what euthanasia is, <clears throat> the first legal case in our country was a young girl who went swimming in the Bristol Channel and she swallowed the egg of an octopus. And the creature hatched out inside her 1911, the year before I was born, the creature hatched out inside her. And every time she fed, she fed the creature. And it grew inside her. And the tentacles were twisted round her intestines. And she was shrieking and screaming with pain. And at that time, medical science didn't know whether they would today, I don't know. But they didn't know what to do. And they applied to the Home Secretary who gave a special permit to destroy the young girl. That was the one and only case of legalized euthanasia. <clears throat> now, I've ministered to this brother and God has just recently completely delivered him. They exhumed four bodies and tried to prove he'd murdered them. 
but he's been totally acquitted. And he came up to see me this Christmas and he said, Brother, as a doctor, I respect people respecting me. And I've respected you. You've ministered to me and you've been a blessing. And I didn't feel I could really minister to you. It was you ministering to me. But he said, God wouldn't give me rest. And he says, I've come to tell you this. <clears throat> People in the world retire. But there's no retirement in God. You can drop dead and God will take you out of it. But as long as you've got health and ability. And I've got to tell you. You've put your ministry on the altar and God's given you back. So I went and I booked a ticket and I've been in the States now about a week <coughs> of about another week. And in the process I've come here your servant for Jesus' sake. And I just want to leave this with you. <coughs> what have you got to put on the altar tonight. The fire of God never falls on an empty altar. What is God saying to you? That's all. Lord, we just want to ask you, uh, Lord, just, you just release grace to each one of us, Lord, to hear that question in our hearts, Lord, and for us to truthfully answer that question, Lord. What we individually have to place on the altar, Lord. And Holy Spirit, we just, we just ask you to search our hearts and bring conviction to every person in this room where conviction needs to be brought. But Lord, we, we really ask you sincerely, you see Arthur here, Lord, really to ask, ask us that question. So Lord, I just ask you, Lord, that we would have an answer to you, to each one of us on an individual level. Bless you, Lord. Thank you for Arthur. We pray you bless him and give him um, his next direction where he's be. And stay in your will, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.